0: is making stitches and welcome to the first episode of 2024. This time I'm sharing a chat I had at the back end of last year with Kathy Wright from Lazy Kate Textiles. She's a passionate spinner and weaver who loves to share her knowledge to keep the crafts alive.
1: It's been wonderful really um, because it's so varied and it's so lovely to be able to pass on such such an important skill. Spinning is, so, to me, spinning is, is so important as a heritage skill for lots of reasons, but yeah, so when somebody falls in love with that, it's just, it's just like the best of really.
0: Hello and welcome to Making Stitches, I'm Lindsay. I've been a crafter since being a child and my craft of choice is crochet. I design patterns for magazines and my own online shop and as well as this I love to hear people's stories especially other makers and hear how they came to be doing what they do now. Making Stitches podcast gives me the perfect excuse to speak to other creative people and share their stories with you. So whether this is your first time listening or if you've been here many times before, it's lovely to have your company today. This time I'm sharing a chat I had with Kathy Wright late last year. Kathy runs Lazy Kate Textiles from her narrowboat in Liverpool. I really enjoyed hearing about how Kathy's career developed from attending embroidery classes as a teenager to running classes of her own to share the heritage crafts of spinning and weaving. We'll cover all sorts of things from rigid heddle looms, now that's not easy to say, to Lazy Kates and niddy noddies. I hope you enjoy hearing about Cathy's creative journey and her infectious enthusiasm for her craft as much as I did. Here's our chat now.
1: I'm a spinner and a weaver. I'm based in Liverpool. Um, I work with my daughter, and uh, we teach workshops all around the northwest, really wherever, um, wherever we're, we we can be invited to places. We we'll do groups, and we teach in in wool shops as well around the northwest. So it's mainly um spinning from beginners all the way through to advanced and from um from this the the sheep you know preparation from the fleece all the way through but then we also do rigid heddle weaving classes as well so and from beginners to advanced in that as well
0: now for the uh, uninitiated what is a rigid hem, hemel weaver weaving sorry right. i couldn't even say that <laughs>
1: seen looms with all the shafts and treadles and things like that this is a very very simple loom and so it allows people to be introduced to weaving without it being overwhelming because originally the um the apprenticeship for, for a weaver was eight years long so mm. it's we talk about a rabbit hole you know I mean you can absolutely dive down um very deep in there but if you wanted just a little taster of weaving rigid heddle looms are very very simple but you can produce something um very that's that's really nice even if you've even if you've never touched a loom before um i thought i think i just thought i'd i'd be ready with something Mm -hmm. so just just to give you an idea on a tiny little loom a rigid heddle loom you can produce something like that even if you've never woven before and that we get a big buzz out of that because people are thrilled what they can make and, you know, so so it's an introduction to weaving rigid heddle looms are great.
0: Wonderful. And for the people who were listening who didn't get a chance to see what you held up there, that was a beautiful oh, scarf, so that's wasn't it? That's yeah, really so this,
1: this scarf um, is made with um, sock yarn. Uh-huh. So for your, I would imagine that a lot of people have gone big stash of indie dyed yarns, which is uh, speckles and, and things like that. Well, rigid heddle looms use those. Those lovely yarns, those sock yarns, and so these are. This is all done with sock yarn, so wow. it's just really very, very simple, very simple plain weave scarf. But because of those, because of the colours that indie dyers use, they're, they're absolutely brilliant on a on a Richard Haddel loon. Oh, very simple.
0: That's fabulous. So, is this something that you have been doing for all of your life? Then did uh, did weaving and spinning come into your life at a very early stage?
1: Um, my mum was always a brilliant, and is, always a, is a brilliant knitter. And she, an embroiderer and all of those things. But I didn't really go down that route at first. But when I left school, um, she took me, while I was waiting to go on my YTS, which tells some people exactly how old I am, um, she took me on an embroidery class in, just in a little local local shop. And I fell in love with the embroidery. Then I met a um, a textile artist in Liverpool. She was called Anne McTavish. Really, really incredibly talented lady. And she would do embroideries and tapestries on huge canvases. She would project onto the wall the the pictures, and then she would embroider that. She would embroider on wire, and they were all amazing 3D productions. They were absolutely fabulous. And she would use very, very heavily textured yarn. And so I decided to make my own, that was when I was in my early 20s. In between then, then I went and moved and lived in London for a while. So I came back to it when, um, in about maybe early 2000s. And um, and then um, I decided to um, go down that route. So I produced, uh, I, I learned to spin, and then I learned to dye as well. And the lady who taught me to dye was just in a, a wool shop. And she said, get a pot. Get a pot, glug of vinegar, put your fibre in, sprinkle some dyes, and that's how I started to to dye just from just from that. Um, then I met Sue Crawford, Susan Crawford, and because she, she lived locally, and then I started to spin for her. And my mum would, um, my mum would design patterns for her. She had a, a very early in the internet years of the internet, she had an online magazine called Knit on the Net. And we would we design for that, and so it went on from there. That I would start, so I started to teach spinning in um, 2008, and then I went on and I set up on my own in 2016 with just teaching um, and selling the looms and things like that from 2016.
0: Wow! So it's been very much a big part of your life all the way through this this sort of thread of creativity from the embroidery through to what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's been it's been wonderful, really. Um, because it's so varied and it's so lovely to be able to pass on such a such an important skill. spinning is so to me spinning is is so important as a heritage skill um for lots of reasons but yeah, so when somebody falls in love with that, it's just it's just like the best buzz really
0: oh, wonderful now do you need a lot of equipment to do spinning if if you wanted to to start taking it up as a hobby?
1: No, you don't. You could pick up a second-hand spinning wheel for probably around about... You might be lucky and get one for £100. Um, You you would want a spinning wheel, you'd want a lazy Kate and a nitty-noddy, really. And if you buy from a spinner, they'll sell you all of that together. If you join a guild, if you're lucky enough to have a guild locally, you can join the guild there and you can borrow those things. So you don't need necessarily to have a huge amount of of um of equipment you can also buy the fibers straight from say somewhere like world of wool and so i would think for about 100 grams of fiber maybe you're talking about two two pound three pound depending what depending on what you pick or if you go and support a local farmer and buy a fleece they probably just give you a fleece mm. so it depends on why you're spinning and what you're how how sort of rustic (laughs) how raw you want that you want that process to be if you just because for a long time I was all about the dyeing see so I just wanted I didn't want to clean any fiber I didn't want I just wanted to spin and make the hand spun yarn whereas now I'm a bit more about buying a buying a, a specific breed and preparing that breed and then spinning that to get the best out of that breed and so I work with Local farmers, and we have um, a, a local spinning group as well. And we all, well, at the moment in our spinning group, we're doing a, an alpaca study for a local alpaca breeder oh
0: to give man. her
1: feedback on um, her her breed. So it depends on what angle you're coming from, really, as to how how much how little you put in there.
0: Gosh, it sounds like such a such a broad. Sort of pursuit to be able to go down, so you can specialise in whatever you want to do. Now I've got to take you back to a lazy Kate and a niddy noddy because
1: right. <laughs> course, I don't even think I've got one here. Um, let me just see. I'm in my little corner where I spin. Oh, yeah, I've got one. So what you do is you spin a bobbin full of yarn. So that's a bobbin, and you would yes. spin on there. And so you spin two bobbins with your wheel going in the clockwise direction. And then you twist those together or ply them together. And so the wheel, while you're plying, the wheel goes in the other direction. So while you're plying, you put your two full bobbins on here.
0: Right. So that's a
1: lathe hate. Okay. And then when that is on your third bobbin as a plied yarn, you then take it off and you want to make a skein. You know, you've seen the old skein twisted. Yeah. So you put that on a nitty noddy. And this is a nitty noddy.
0: Right, so for the people and who... So
1: were, that that would measure, you could measure roughly, it's only approximately, you can measure a yard or two yards on a nitty-noddy. Right. So you get an idea of how much yardage you've got.
0: So that looks for. like a big H made out of wood with an yeah. elongated centre. So you, you wind it from one end to the yeah. other, do you?
1: So you turn it like that. So can you see that's a... This is an awful angle, isn't it? Um, You turn it like that, you've got a pointy end. Yeah. And what you do is you wind it around like that, and you're literally making just a really big loop that you then can twist. And so it keeps everything in order, really. Wow. Um, But yes, when I send these out and at the post office to say, what is that? And I say, it's a nitty noddy (laughs) (laughs) People are a bit bonkers.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. And the lazy cake was basically a frame that has got the bobbins on. Yeah. But, uh yeah. yeah
1: and so a lot of people when they're starting off they'll get a shoebox and some tent pegs and that that's that that's does a, the job that's the lazy cake and if you haven't got a nitty noddy put two chairs together and wind it around two chairs
0: yeah so
1: if you've got a, a wheel you don't you don't need a huge amount of money and if you can borrow a wheel then even better
0: fabulous oh that's wonderful i feel so educated this morning already <laughs> So tell me a little bit about your own business then, Lazy Kate Textiles, and that you, it's obviously a family business because you're in it with your daughter too.
1: Yeah, my daughter is just about to leave. She she came on board in um, around COVID. I had to shield during COVID, but I had a lot of people booked in on workshops. And so Jessamy and her friend Sophia, because Jessamy had, had worked with textiles, like I taught her to spin from being very little, um, so she knew what she was doing. And um, so she took over the workshops while I was having to shield, and then um once um, everything sort of like calmed down a little bit, we carried on working together. Um, but she's going to get married and she's going to go off and, and uh, do other things. So she will be working with me on the odd occasion, but actually it's it's going to be me again, um, which is you know it's interesting to see how <laughs> how that' that will go. Um, but we've got, I've got like um, new things planned as well. So in terms of Lazy Kate, the the spinning and the weaving will, workshops will carry on. But I also think that it, it's I've got access to a room, and so um, from the uh, from the first Saturday in the new year, first Saturday of each month, we're going to have what's called the Woolers meeting. And so we called it the Woolers because it's anybody who's got an appreciation for wool, so not just spinners and weavers, crocheters, knitters, whatever, and they can come and use my equipment, and so and they can warp up their looms if in case they don't have a have a lot of space in their own place. They can warp up their looms, and it's just to have community really, and um, and meet up. So that's a new thing for the new year, but the workshops will still still carry on. And so it's it's all just yeah all just continuing. So people come from all over the country. It's very funny actually. So they come to Liverpool, and um, so we had two ladies from Portsmouth come up
0: wow. from Liverpool,
1: and they um, they stayed over the water. And so for the in the morning they got the ferry, they got the ferry across the Mersey to come to the to come to the um, to come to the class, and then in the evening because they stayed for it was a two day workshop. And they stayed, and then in the evening they said, we're just going to go back to the hotel and just have a quiet night. When we went in the next day, I said, oh, how was your evening? And they said, we went to the cavern. <laughs> we went to the cavern. And one lady spent most of the day with her head on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, because it's an exciting city and it's very, where we've got our studio is, is a really interesting, vibrant part of the city. There's an awful lot to see as well, so I think that's what people people enjoy coming to see that as well as we come to like soak in some of the atmosphere which is really nice.
0: You're listening to Making Stitches, a podcast celebrating creative crafts and inspiring makers. This podcast is supported by the Making Stitches shop on Etsy, where you can find Making Stitches podcast tote bags, badges and stitch markers, along with a few of my crochet patterns for sale too. Just search for Making Stitches shop on Etsy. Now back to more creative chat. So your new project for the new year with your community, how how important is community to you? Because I I imagine in my mind that somebody who spins, it's quite a solitary activity because it's not particularly portable. But how important would you say community is to you? I think
1: it's huge. I think it's huge. And people with, with spinning wheels will travel. So you can get all different types of spinning wheels. You can get ones that fold up and come in a carry bag. Yeah, like a backpack. So Ashford and Cromsky, they're two um, brands of spinning wheel. They both have portable spinning wheels, so people bring those spinning wheels along, and their looms as well. Which that you can get looms that fold up and are really, really portable. So they can travel. And in terms of community, I think it's really important, but I think it's really powerful as well because it's those communities, those skills, and those groups that are driving. Being able to support farmers with their wool, so for us as a as a group, there's going to be the group that we can meet in Liverpool, but there's also a spinning group that meet in Ormskirk in Lancashire, you know, and they meet every other Tuesday, and so that's where we've had Karen from Artemis Alpacas in Liverpool. She's come, and we we buy her her alpaca fibre, or we deal with local um, local farmers or um, Ed and Laura from the Wool Circle, who are in Hebden Bridge. And so all of these people, we can all just keep keep this community, keep this wonderful skill alive and give the farmers a fair pay for their fibre, really. So as well as being somewhere where people can come and be with other like-minded people, it is an important, they're doing an important thing as well, really.
0: Have you seen a resurgence then in the craft in in recent years? Is it something that's that's starting to take off again or, you know, growing popularity?
1: I think it's never gone away. When I started, I joined a guild in 2004, which I'm too far away from a guild really, the guild that we were in, which was up at Blackpool. Um, It was the very, very early days of the internet. And it was quite a small group, maybe about... 20 who met regularly and then once the internet took off all these people found each other and I think it was the same for knitting wasn't it and there was a huge resurgence in knitting but but I don't think with I don't know about knitting but in terms of spinning and weaving that's never gone away and so the if you go to any fiber festivals you know spinning spinning and weaving is huge particularly weaving in the last few years has been huge and so I think, um, yes, there's been a resurgence, but I think that resurgence was a long time ago. Mm. But I think it's maintained its level. And those people are still, I think that the. I think the swell of let's get things done, let's change, let's change what's happening here. Um, I think that is, that is gaining momentum more and more. So we see more mills, more mills, Picking up, there's Benridge Woolworks in the northeast. east Lucinda Bird, who's doing amazing things. There's the um, Lake District Tweed, where they've woven woven the tweed up there. And I think more and more mills are starting to pop up. So the infrastructure, where it wasn't there before, is now starting to get um, established. And so for a lot of indie dyers who are at maybe wool shows around the country, they're probably using the same bases, which from one company really, because for a lot of those things, you can't you can't get those bases, those same bases in this country. But it's changing, it's changing, and soon we will we'll be able to get British British wool spun the way that I I need it spun for my weaving. I can't get it spun like that in this country just yet, but it's that close. It's that close. And then it'll be completely completely
0: British. How wonderful. So that'll be wonderful. Yeah, because this is a whole different other side to the yarn industry that I'm sure the vast majority, without casting aspersions of, of knitters and crocheters, will go to a yarn shop and buy some um, yarn that's been produced on a large scale in a factory somewhere potentially in Great Britain, but also quite possibly imported as well. But there's a whole other section of the industry, almost like a cottage industry, I guess, isn't there, that's bringing back the traditional way of doing things and, and really bringing it home so it's completely UK. And and I have to ask, does that mean it is more environmentally friendly then? Obviously, well, it doesn't have the same carbon footprint, but I guess... yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and there are there are knitters who are really really well up on this. So um, places like John Arbon, you'll have heard of John Arbon, you know that's that's so traceable. Laxtons, there was something, and I have to say, I listened to a podcast this morning, and it's American podcasts, and they mentioned something about Laxtons who produced this yarn, which is is it called wool traceable or? where there's a QR code and you can trace exactly which farm it's come from. Wow. Um, there's Kate at Northern Yarn, who's up at Lancaster. You know, she she goes lo- to local uh, farms, doesn't she, and get her Methra wool. Um, so I think that there's a lot of knitters who are really, really clued up, really clued up, and they buy, they buy breed-specific and they buy... Um, to support because to support these these places like John Auburn and you know because it's really really important to them
0: mm.
1: and that it's they they will knit that thing they will buy it from it they know the breed they know the qualities of that breed they'll knit the, the garment and then they'll know that if that garment when the time is done it's gonna it's gonna rot away wow. and, and not harm the environment
0: yeah yeah oh gosh that's so important isn't it really to keep keep these traditions alive and to also keep things local and also not only for the environment but also for the farmers themselves Mm -hmm. because uh, where will they be if they didn't have somebody to to pass their products on to oh wow so it sounds like it's a very positive time in the yarn industry as far as that's concerned because there's so much promise from what from what you're telling me
1: i think so I think so. I think it's, I'm always excited about it, but but I think, yeah, um, yes, I think it is. I think it is a, a really exciting time because I think that we're all, you never stop learning, do you? You never stop learning. And so, um, because there are all these new mills and things like that, there's, there's so much more to discover that wasn't available before. It wasn't available when I first started um, spinning, but all these things now uh, are in the pipeline. And so... Yeah, it's super exciting. Super exciting. And and I think in the northwest as well. In the northwest of England, we're very lucky because we've got access to an awful lot of exciting things that are going on, which is which is lovely too.
0: Absolutely. No, there's such potential, isn't there, for ex- exploration and expanding all our skills and the thing, the, the products that we use too. Yeah. Oh. So what would you say now taking it back to a very personal kind of situation what would you say your craft gives you personally aside from a an income
1: um for me i think spinning in particular um learning to spin for some people can be a little bit of a challenge than it was for me because there's a lot of coordination involved but once you can spin um it is the most calming meditative um practice i think And if I'm ever stressed about anything or um, I don't need, I can come in and spin. I don't need to spin for anything in particular, but I can, I sit down and I spin. And I suppose it's that same thing that um, you hear about with knitting and crochet. It's a, it's a repetitive action, isn't it? And so the, the, the repetitive action of drafting like this and I can feel my body calm down feel everything just chill and and get lost get lost in that for an hour or so and so it's it gives me it gives me a chance a bit of peace really and it's very very special so I don't feel I don't feel I particularly have to produce anything but just in doing that is a little bit of an escape and it's I I think that's really important for me personally
0: yeah yeah oh gosh yes I can totally identify not from the spinning point of view but just that repetitive action and being able to just either zone out of what's what you're doing or completely focus in what you're doing just clears your mind from uh, from all the other things that are crowding into your mind at the time don't they
1: Yeah it's and just... I think that for us who of people who have those crafts we do wonder what people would do who don't who don't have that don't we because it's it just It's just such a wonderful thing, isn't it?
0: It truly is. It truly is. Yes, I think a, a good deal more wine would be consumed in our household if I didn't yeah. have that. Also, <laughs> <Us too. laughs> It sounds like you've got an exciting future to look forward to and it, it's just, yeah, it sounds really exciting and, and you're clearly touching so many different people's lives and, and bringing them over to this really calming hobby, which is doing so much good.
1: Well, everybody is welcome to come to the the Wallers. You know that's an open that's an open invitation, and uh, and so you know if people are interested, just to pop in, even just to have a even if they're curious, it'd be really nice to meet.
0: Them. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'll put the details for that then in the in the links to the show notes and, and links to your to your websites, so people can find you and find out more about what you're doing. And thank it's you. been it's been really lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your world with us.
1: All right, thank you. It's been lovely.
0: My thanks again to Kathy for taking the time to speak to me for Making Stitches podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Kathy and her work at Lazy Kate Textiles, you can find the link to Kathy's website in the show notes for this episode. That's all for this time. I do hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to support my Making Stitches adventure, you can find links to my online shop and Ko-fi page in the show notes too. And thank you so much for listening. It's been great to have your company. I'll be back again in two weeks time with another creative chat for you to enjoy. Until then though, stay safe and enjoy your crafting.